on this fateful Saturday when I experienced the dark night of my soul. Oh, all my parameters were just were just bad. Were just so so bad. Firstly, my CRP numbers had plummeted to 74. CRP numbers are what indicates the level of infection in a body. Normal CRP numbers range between 0 and 5. So initially, before I was rushed to hospital, my CRP numbers were 14. And that's when they, they suspected COVID because the CRP numbers were so high. And the numbers kept on increasing. They went to 25, it went to 30, it went to 44, to And it wasn't going down at all. And at this time, on that, uh, on that Saturday, it had reached 74. 74. The doctors were worried and there was no one time the CRP numbers went lower. It just kept on getting worse and worse and worse. And also it's an indicator of the inflammation levels in your body. Like the body was highly inflamed. And that's why I was being put on steroids to bring down the inflammation. That was so sad. And then another thing happened. And all these things happened in one afternoon. I just started coughing incessantly. I started vomiting. I started crashing. And the doctor and nurses ran to my room. They were there for two good hours trying to do everything to bring all my parameters down, up basically to improve. My oxygen levels went down. All along they had been dancing between 95 and 100. They went all of a sudden to 84. And that's when they decided to put me on oxygen. Then my sugar levels started acting up. They started going so high. And then the pressure went down. And then my heart started resting at 40. I remember them doing, I think it's called an ECG test, where they just bring a machine where they put, what do they call them? Like it has clippers and sensors that are spread all over your body. And the clippers are put on your, around your ankle and around your wrist to just check if there's anything abnormal about your heart because it was resting too much. The heartbeat was low. Then the scary thing happened. The doctor tried to remove blood from my arm. And let me tell you, there's a difference between blood being removed from your vein and blood being removed from your artery. Oh, I'll pick the vein anytime. They take time to tighten your arm. To reduce the pressure, then they put in the needle, then they remove the blood, then put some cotton, release the pressure, and then they remove the blood. That's blood from the vein. You might be so scared, but that's any that's way better than blood being removed from your artery. I just remember those two hours when the, the doctor tried to remove blood from my artery. And I could see him shaking and he was sweating. And I know maybe he was sweating from all the PPE uniform that they were putting on. Those doctors used to put on, and the nurses, two masks. One mask is those three-meter heavy, intense masks, which when you put on for a minute, you're just sweating like crazy. They used to put on that, and then they put on a second one, and then they put on a, 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 those shields. And then they covered their hair, 
and then they put on a, a PP uniform, they put on four gloves and gumboots. That was intense to come and handle me or handle any other COVID patient. And they had to work under those conditions, sweating. So I was left to wonder, was he sweating because of removing blood from my artery or he was sweating from all, just the PPE uniform that he had donned upon himself. It was heavy. But I saw it clearly when he tried to remove blood from my artery. When blood is removed from your artery, artery the needle goes in straight. There's no cajoling, there's no tightening of what arm, nothing. They just touch and realize, oh, this is the artery. It's right on the wrist. They just dig in the needle. It's like me, I saw it like that. It was just being dug in. And you scream like a baby. And there's nothing that the doctor can do. You cry and wail and cry. And you're told, do not move your hand. I ever cried wailing without, when your hand is straight and you cannot dare move it. And it's held tightly. And he tried removing blood once. And the first batch, I saw it so clearly, it clotted. And you know, they had been injecting anticoagulant injections on me to prevent blood from clotting. But that one clotted. I saw it clearly and everyone was quiet in the room. No one said anything. But he was like, you know what, Zitrosa? I have to go in again. I have to remove another batch. And I was like, what? And he's like, yes. And he removed the second batch. It wasn't as clotted as the first one. In retrospect now, I think, at least he didn't make his conclusion from the first batch. But that's when they made the decision to increase the number of anticoagulant injections. Initially, it was just one. Now it was increased to two. One in the morning and one in the evening. I was surrendered. I was totally surrendered. I didn't know I was waiting for the actual dark night of my soul to come into the night. I knew things were bad. Really bad. Dark night of the soul. I've been so afraid to talk about the dark night of the soul. I'd been in hospital for a number of days. And it seemed like everything now was ending. I wasn't getting better. I wasn't improving, but there's one particular day that stands out that I knew I was done. I was done trying. I was just done. I was so tired. I was just done. I'd tried fighting. I'd tried fighting. Everyone was telling me, fight, Zippy, fight, Zippy, fight. You're a prayer warrior. You're a warrior. Fight. And all I wanted was to succumb. Every feeling, everything in me was just done. It was so done. 
I call it the dark night of my soul. I don't know how long it lasted. And I know many of you have had dark nights of your souls. Sometimes dark night of our souls may last a season, may last months, what we call depression or sadness, or we're just under a rock and then we emerge and come out of it. But there's just that time in your life where you can recall a real, real darkness and sadness and everyone is telling you to fight and you're like, fight for what? I am done. I'm tired. I think I've experienced dark night of the souls in the past. But this one, this one finished me because I was there looking at death right in front of me. The other dark nights of my souls, I wasn't looking at death. This one, COVID-19, right in front of me. And I'm talking to God and I'm telling him, my children, God, my children. But even for them, I got tired. I was feeling like I'm meant to accept that I don't even have the energy to fight for them. All the love that I have within me for them. I couldn't reach that love to fight. I was tired. And this day in the hospital was just a bad day. I felt like I didn't get the support I needed from the hospital staff. Yet this, this staff was one of, it's just one of the best, it has the best individuals with the best heart, the best doctors. It's an elite team. But that day I kept on asking for things and no one was listening. You know this active listening where you really hear what the person is saying? I asked for basic things like even water and I didn't get water. I asked for non-spicy food and all the food that came to my room was spicy, meaning I was hungry. Yet I'm coughing incessantly. My chest is paining. My head is throbbing. They've pumped so much medicine in me. They can't pump anymore, but my head wouldn't stop. It was throbbing. I had to take a towel, put water and wrap it around my head because it was throbbing so badly. Yet they'd already given me medicine, but no. I felt drained in my arms. I felt finished. I was on oxygen. I felt like I was just tired with that oxygen. I even removed it. I removed it because I felt like, what was the need? I was done. I wrote a farewell letter to my children. I read it the other day and it crushed me. But I again thank God that they didn't have to read it, though it was beautifully written. I only do beautiful things for my kids. But the saddest thing is to tell your children goodbye without even seeing them. I was done. And I lied in my bed. Have you ever had visions? Of you digging your own grave dressed in black digging your own grave like i don't know if he's called the death angel or who i hear i i think my vision or perception of him is that like he's carrying a hammock or a, 
or or a hammock. I think it's a hammock. I'm not so sure about the name of that tool, but it's a digging tool. Let me call it a digging tool. Like the death angel gave you the digging tool to literally, for you to literally dig your own grave. And I'm telling you, I dug six inch deep. I don't know if it's six inch wide. I don't know. But I remember digging, digging, and I was just in total darkness. I dug. And I was crying while digging because I was just telling God, God, I am done. I'm done. I've tried fighting. I've tried, tried being a prayer warrior. God, I'm just done. If this is your will, I accept it. I'm done. I dug. I don't know for how long I dug. This whole experience felt like it was the whole night. But I knew people were praying for me. But I was done. Because it reached a point, you know, God uses humor to get me out of my dark places. I turned. And there's just this inside joke that I have with my sisters where we're dissing somebody that they were looking so dusty that they looked like that come from being buried. And we love that joke and we laugh so hard when we remember that joke. And I just turned and it was like God, God was telling me, Ah, Taka, you've dug that grave. Now you look like somebody who's come from being buried, yet you're alive. And I started laughing because I just remembered how we laughed with my sisters over that joke. I laughed hard, I laughed hard. And I sat at the corner. And like now, you look like those people who come from that tribe. Let me not say the name of that tribe. Who bury their people while they're seated in a corner. Those tri that tribe in the Luya community. You know it, Taka. Yes, I know it. Hmm? Who bury the men in their homes while seated in a corner. So it's like, now you're seated there, looking like somebody who's been buried, yet you're alive. And I started laughing. Aki had cried so much. And I was like, God, you're going to use human now. Aki, God, I've cried. I've cried. So I stood up. And I gave the death angel his digging tool, a stroke hammock. And I walked away. But still dressed in black. And when I walked away, in reality now, my headache started soothing. The water was brought. I think it was at 3 a.m. The Ascoril I'd been begging for was brought at 3 a.m. And I'd asked for these things from, from daytime. And everyone was ignoring me. That supper I ate that day was uncooked brown ugali. There's nothing wrong as uh, bad as uncooked brown ugali. The people who love brown ugali, you know. If you just given cold brown ugali, it's such a disservice to a lawyer. Mm. But I ate it because I was hungry. I hadn't fed. It was a dark night. And I felt so much pain. And I gave up. But God had to use humor to get me out. 
And then I fell into a deep dream where I was fighting this big giant. I'm telling you, I fought that giant. I remember just pushing my own students on the side of the gender and take them, pushing my own children, pushing my family, pushing, pushing people on the way. It's as if I'm the one who was fighting against this giant and trying to protect everyone. And then I fell down and it fell upon me and it was just about to catch me. It's as if, oh, and I was like, God, I am finished. Then God reminded me, you have to fight this with what, whatever you have to fight it, it's already on you. And I started touching my body, wondering, and she was coming to me like it has like this big gun, like a terrorist huge gun going to explode me. And then I touched my side. Guess what I removed? A diabetic pen. During the day, there's a nurse who had come to teach me how to use a diabetic pen, how to use it independently to be removing blood to check my sugar levels before and after a meal that I need to learn to do it myself because in isolation, I'll have to be doing checking my own sugar levels because I was predisposed to be diabetic. And what do I remove to fight this huge giant? And my dream is so intense and the giant is upon me. Like a few inches from me, I removed the diabetic pen. And I just flashed towards him. And he vanishes. He vanishes. And my headache lifts up. And then I wake up. There's a doctor next to me. Who's asking me, what can I do for you? That's a story for another day. But our deepest fights, our deepest fights, God always tells us, look at what you have. Look at the hidden treasures within you to fight the darkness in your life. That Lord has not left you unequipped. Whatever you need, your solutions are within you. We tend to like going around looking for people to solve our problems, to solve the big giants in our lives, to slay the giants in our lives. But God says, I've laid treasures within you. If you just look within you, you will find the treasures. If you just see yourself as I see you, you will know that I am with you. I have filled you with my Holy Spirit. He will fight for you. But we never look within we struggle, we fight, we look for solutions outside and we extend our dark nights of the soul. I have learned about the dark night of the soul. I've explored and researched it. But as I get older, I realize I'm getting out of them faster. But during this COVID, I struggled a little bit. And the next day, my sister called me, the sister, Dr. Anne, and she said, Taka, COVID is a disease of the mind. If your mind dies, you die. It's all in the mind. Yes, you're suffering physically, but you don't have the power of the mind. You succumb. You succumb. And if I'd continue to give in to the dark night of the soul, I would have easily succumbed. Your mind is powerful.
we separate mind and body when we're doing healing of our bodies but those are one two things that go together your body will go where your mind has gone if you speak healing into your life you will receive healing it has to start in the mind your healing starts in the mind in the mind in the mind